Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshfin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on this week's episode we're going to be reviewing the 1999 horror film The Blair Witch Project, directed and written by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez, and starring Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Joshua Leonard. In this film, a group of three filmmakers find themselves lost in the woods and become haunted by a mysterious figure. If you're new to the show, Brian and I will be having a spoiler-free discussion for the first half of the show, and then you'll hear a quick musical interlude, and then we'll dive into the plot, hit some spoilers, and give our review of the movie. Brian, has it been a while since you saw this one? It's been a little while, maybe like five or ten years. Oh, Okay. Uh, so not crazy yeah. long. I, this is probably like the fifth time I've seen this. Really? That's incredible. Um, I, You know, I, I can't remember if I ever saw this outside of the theater. So you actually like rented this at some point in the last 20 years? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I rented it like on VHS or DVD shortly after seeing it in mm-hmm. the theater. Um, I feel like maybe I got it on Netflix DVD at one point and I've rented it from like, yeah, yeah, I've seen wow. it multiple times. That's so interesting. So I was, I was going to ask you about like the rewatchability of this film, uh, because yeah, it, it never struck me as one that you could like kind of binge watch a few times back to back or anything. But um, it, it, you've you've revisited it. It sounds like a numerous amount of times. And like, have you gotten something new out of it every time, or the same level of enjoyment? I think the uh, it's been about a similar experience every time. I appreciate different things about it, but yeah, um, I think the most recent watch, I was like. I got to watch this again to see if it's actually good and scary because I hype it up in my mind because you and I both saw it, which is, I don't know, maybe depending on the age of our listeners, that may be kind of a unique experience, but we were both there in the theater probably kind of maybe believing this could have been real, right? Oh, yeah. Like when we were 17, 16? 16, 17, like 1999, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess I was 16 when this came out. Yeah. No, maybe I, I was even 15 because it came out in January, I'm pretty sure. Sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people who saw this in theaters that year, and I think Lights, Camera, No also did a podcast on this too, but I feel like a lot of people had that feeling that this was all like uh, for real, right? Like a true documentary. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really know. I've, Part of me was like, this can't be real. Like, I'm not going to be sitting here in a theater with a bunch of people watching something that's actually real. Uh But there's still part of me that kind of thought maybe it could be possible or possibly wanted it to be possible. Right. And I still find myself able to just get so absorbed in it. Not that I think it's real when I'm watching now, but I get pretty wrapped up in it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It definitely pulls you in. And I think... Like, like thinking back to 1999, uh, this was like the first found footage film I was seeing on the big screen. And I think that added to the feeling of, oh, there must be something special or this must be real. Um, I imagine for you, it was also the first found footage film on, on like the big screen. Yeah, this was not something we were familiar with at all. Like this was my first found footage film, period. I think that it was not something that was very common. People say Cannibal Holocaust was the first one in 1980. Um, and then I think maybe a year before this, there was one, I can't remember what it was called. So there's little blips of movies that are kind of found footage, but to me, they're not quite the same. Um, this one's kind of unique in that right up front, it's like, here's this footage we discovered. 
can't say I've seen the other ones before this. I've seen like half of Cannibal Holocaust. And the way Cannibal Holocaust works, I just checked with Coop today on our Discord because I've only watched the first half, the first half of the movie. The found footage portion doesn't even come in until the second half of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, so it's kind so, of like couched within a, a produced movie. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I've watched the first half of Cannibal Holocaust like twice. And I'm always like, what are people talking about with the found footage? But I just haven't gotten far enough. So you really got to watch that movie all in one sitting because you're not going to want to come back to it to finish. Oh. <laughs> Is that like you can only get through half of it and then you have to walk away? They kill animals on screen. Like they oh, really no. kill animals. Yeah. So it, um, it makes it makes for a tough watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 no fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you had Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, I also think from a found footage perspective, this is probably the first like big wide release found footage film um, at that time. I, I, I can't I couldn't find like any other big names before this that were found footage like that had such like a wide and like heavily promoted release as this one. For sure. Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. Yeah. And and then I, I think it's also interesting that uh, the timing of the release of this film and where the internet was, because I, I think today, like, if, if this came out and we had that question, you would, like, know the answer in a minute. Like, oh, it's obviously, you know, these are real actors and stuff. Right. Uh, and here's where Heather Donahue lives. <laughs> like, yeah. Here's exactly. your Facebook page. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, like, back then, it sounds like the internet was out, but probably not to the extent that it is today in terms of, like, being able to access the type of data, right? Yeah, I mean, I had the internet in 1999. I imagine you did too, and we were probably talking to AOL girlfriends in Canada, but <laughs> people didn't fully know how to utilize it. They didn't know that anyone could make a website, so what you read on the website might not be true. Right. Um, so it was all very new to us. So they set up this website, and they had newsreels and fake right. footage and interviews, so people thought it was real. There was no great way to find out that it wasn't real right right exactly yeah there's no google back then yeah uh and, and yeah really really interesting marketing approach i think they had those uh, missing persons photos going as well um so it sounds like that was like really viral and took off and uh it reminds me of kind of what they try to do with like paranormal activity i, I know they tried a similar approach um uh you know like yeah trying to pretend it was real and stuff but i, I wonder if by then the internet had matured enough where people and, and like these kind of films had been more prevalent uh, yeah and it was kind of you know the Blair Witch was so big you can never really do that again to the same effect sure and yeah. Cannibal Holocaust I think did the same thing I'm pretty sure the director paid the actors to like not appear in public for a year oh um, wow but again just not as big of a movie not nearly as big of a movie as this sure hey was Cannibal Holocaust uh, an Italian film yes uh, the director's okay. name I think think was like Ruggiero Diodato or something like that. It's an Italian oh, okay. film, correct. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, we should probably cover that one sometime. Yeah. Um, w- there's an Eli Roth movie that's uh, c- comparable, right? Right. The Green Inferno. Oh, the Green Inferno. Which we did an episode right. on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where we're referencing it. But you know, um, it's funny when people talk about this back to the early internet conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean... Even though there is Google, you can find out where people live. There is so much fake shit on the internet now. Like, yeah, I know. I don't know. Maybe you could do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
uh, you could pull something over someone. Yeah, I think so. Like half the country believes things that are not real <laughs> because they read it on their Facebook feed. So it's interesting to hear conversations about this movie and like, that was a weird window of time. Like it was the only time you could have done it. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Well, uh, speaking of how, how successful this was, uh, it sounds like the budget was 25 to 30K, but then they had to add in a bunch in the post-production. So maybe it, co- total cost might have been somewhere under 750000 but then a box office return of $248 million, So pretty big success, right? Yeah, huge success. Crazy profitable. One of the most profitable films of all time. One of the most successful independent films of all time. Also, those budget numbers, it's so weird. They never report on budget like this, but they include marketing costs. Oh, no um, kidding. Which marketing is never, from what I've seen, included in the budget numbers reported for a movie. If right. it is, it's reported separately. Right. So, right. yeah, that the 30 to 60K is really kind of the number that seems the most correct to me. Oh, okay. I thought a lot of that post-production budget might have been around uh, the different endings they had to go back and try to shoot. You know, that's true. Yeah, so it's probably somewhere in between that 30 to 60K and the 700K, because that (laughs) 700K includes advertising. But yeah, they did. Got it. Artisan, the the company that bought the distribution rights for 1.1 million, made them go back and shoot four alternate endings because they didn't like the ending. Right, but then they ended up sticking with the original. They stuck with the original, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they did. Uh, Were you able to find anything on the alternate endings? I was not able to discover that. I was kind of running, coming to crunch time, so I didn't dig into it too much. How about you? No, I, I, I didn't see anything else. I'm curious what, what they would be, but the ending of this one, I feel like, is pretty iconic and, and uh, uh, kind of has a legacy, right? Yeah, it's hard to imagine any other ending. I did see that the one of the endings had a bit more like blood and gore to it, but that's all the information I could find on that. Ah, okay, okay. Sounds good. And then uh, from a review perspective, uh, again, I was surprised here. 86% critic score, only 56% on the audience. So it sounds like the audiences are a little bit more split up on this one. Yeah, pretty wild, but um, it's I'm not totally surprised. I remember when this came out, so many people were like, what? Like, that's what I watched? <laughs> or people got sick and got motion sickness. Oh, man. I, I feel like it was you were either in it like all the way <laughs> or you were like fuck that movie <laughs> and feeling feeling sick walking out of there yeah at least in the theater that was my perception back then i think now there are plenty of people who've watched this on the small screen and been like yeah it's fine i don't, I don't know if i see the big deal but it's good and sure i just feel like the reactions were maybe a bit more extreme back then but that's kind of just my own uh perspective and memory from that time I, I would agree, because I, I think the found footage genre has become more normalized, um, right. and it's probably less abrasive. But I, I remember feeling really dizzy uh, watching this. Did, did, did you feel motion sickness or anything? I never was bothered by this, no. I've never once gotten any motion sickness watching no. this movie. There was one found footage movie we've discussed on the show that did make me slightly sick. I can't remember what it was now. Um, was it like Quarantine? Yeah, I think it might have been Quarantine. Okay. Yeah, I did. But Rex didn't do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, every now and then one of these movies gets me. But um, are you a found footage fan? Um, No. I mean, I feel like a found footage movie is just the same as any other movie to me, but I expect to like it less. <laughs> I don't like seek out found footage. I, I basically, my expectations are set the same way they are for any other movie, but just 
downgraded a tiny bit because so many of them are just cheap copycats. And I mean, they yeah. are cheap inherently, which is great. But think of all the like, oh, I'm tempted to talk about the last two movies we saw about Halloween um, and like mm-hmm. haunted houses. I don't even remember that. The Houses October Built was one of them. And Hell House. Probably. And Hell House LLC. Yeah. They really seem to be influenced by Blair Witch in terms of this, like, a bunch of guys and one girl, like, all bickering at each other and just kind of fucking around and shooting the shit for a good chunk of the runtime. Mm-hmm. But they don't come anywhere close to succeeding with it like the Blair Witch Project did. Oh, interesting. And I just think, I don't know, there's just a lot of found footage movies out there that just are not worth their weight um, in salt, but there's mm-hmm. some great ones too. I mean, Paranormal's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think people can tell I like this one, so. Sure. <laughs> Getting that feeling. Uh, there, there was something like a flood, I, I don't know, like 10 years ago, or like, um, they, I feel like that we peaked and like there were like so many coming out for a while, but... Uh, I've been getting a sense that the volume of these coming out have have slowed down uh, in the last few years. Do you, do you get that sense? It has slowed down, yeah. And I, it's weird because this is like the movie that was like, all right, found footage movies are a thing, but then nothing really happened with them until Paranormal came out, and then everyone right. started doing them. That's when you right. finally had the market flooded after 2007, I think it was. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it does seem like they've slowed down. I think 2014, 2015, they were starting to peter out. I think we kind of went into more detail about that in the uh, Paranormal Activity episode. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it sounds like a familiar conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you can, I, like, I, I used to really seek these out, and I used to be one of my favorite genres, like the VHSs uh, of the world. Like, I, I love that series. Um, I, I've always wondered, though, like, I don't know if you can compare them to, like, other films because. Obviously, um, the effects, usually I feel like you're lowering the bar a bit in terms of like cinematography or some of the effects or like the production value. So don't you kind of go in like with a lower bar with those things? Yeah, to some extent. But then I feel like you've also got some things on your side, like realism and the ability to show or not show um, what you what you want to and not have it be super clunky that you did or didn't show something because the whole premise is that just someone's carrying a camera and isn't going to be perfect with it. So I feel like there are some strengths inherently in the method as well. But yeah, I I think I kind of agree with you. It is kind of a lower bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some things are, you got a little round, but then yeah, others you have uh, the idea of like being in that person's shoes and seeing what they're seeing. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's got an advantage when it comes to scares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of VHS, uh, Eduardo Sanchez has directed uh, one of the shorts in VHS, too, called The Ride in the Park. Oh, cool. Um, the one with, like, biking in the woods. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He directed that one. Yeah, he did. He did. Okay. Have you? Are you going to watch that new VHS movie? I think so. Uh, viral? Or the, the one that's coming after that, right? Yeah, there's one out that came out like a week or two ago. V- oh, shit. I already forget the title. Oh, man. VHS 94, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Is it like a throwback to 1994? I believe so. Nice. 90s are back, man. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, have you seen any of the sequels to this film, uh, The Book of Shadows or The Blair Witch movie in 2016? I haven't, though I have heard some people. <laughs> Book of Shadows from 2000 has... Rotten Tomato scores of 14 for critics and 18 for users. Wow. 
but I've heard some love for that recently. People kind of re-examining it. So oh, wow. it would be interesting to check that out on a sequel September sometime. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm amazed. Like that came out like within a year of the, the first right? one. Right, it's so quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it, I, I didn't look into it, but was it like the same uh, directors or writers? No, I don't think they were really involved from what I can okay. tell. That, that's, that's one thing about these, uh, both these guys, Eduardo, um, even the cast. Um, I don't feel like anyone's done like anything huge uh, since this film. It's really odd. This was such a flash in the pan in terms of everyone in their careers. Like right. Eduardo Sanchez, he's directed a lot of horror TV uh, here and there, like episode here, a couple episodes there, stuff like American Horror Stories, The Passage, From Dusk Till Dawn, Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it, and that's short in VHS too. He, he's done other movies too, but it just none of them were that recognizable in names to me. Right. Um, Daniel Merrick co-founded, uh, directed DVD division of Warner Home Video called Raw Feed that specializes in horror films, but his name hasn't really been attached to a notable work since this. And sadly, the cast Heather, um, I think she thought this movie was a real a burden on her career. Right. Um, she used her, everyone used their real name. She said she really regrets that. Um, and she was just so permanently associated with this movie and a lot of people hated it. She said people come up to her and said, I, I wish you actually were dead. And <laughs> yeah. So, and I think it, she thought it affected her ability to get roles. And then she became like a, a pot farmer, right? She's a medical marijuana grower. Yeah. I think Joshua Leonard, uh, the like main camera dude, the hippie looking guy is the only one who's gone on to really star in quite a lot of films. Yeah, but no like big roles or anything, right? No big roles, but um a lot a lot of films you recognize the names of. But yeah, it is strange. It's such a uh, such a big movie, I think really good performances and then just kinda gone, especially Heather. Yeah, yeah, kinda fizzled out there. Yeah. You have any other background? Um trying to think what else did I want to say about this oh I, they got the idea Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merrick to do this movie because they found that uh, documentaries on paranormal phenomenon scared them more than actual horror movies oh yeah <laughs> I could totally see that yeah right and, and I, I think they referenced like a, a horror documentary or docu-horror like dating back to like 1920s or something oh wow oh yeah Haxon that was what they Haxon. named their production company after. Right, right. I think that was like a Swedish film back there or something. Yeah, so, I think uh, we'll have that, to watch that at some point. I'm, I've been really <laughs> easing up on you and making you watch old movies. I think we got to <laughs> dip back into the prior, I thought maybe uh, you finally like you're out of that or something. I know, right? I think it's we started off thinking I was going to do all these old movies, but we kind of evolved and yeah. haven't dipped back into the past enough. But yeah. Uh, okay, it's coming. Axon, it's coming. Um, hey, there was there was an interesting uh, article recently. I think just like a few days ago that um, this movie topped uh, the numbers in terms of being uh, the scariest and most terrifying film in terms of keeping like people up at night. Uh, that, did you see that report? Oh, really? No, I didn't see that. I've seen all the like heart rate ones, but I haven't seen this one. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, there's an article that just came out like a few days ago, and uh, this topped the list on on ones that'll keep you up at night. Apparently. Wow. All right. Respect. Um, we haven't talked too much about the like viral mark. I mean, we touched on it, but you know, it was on the website pages that said 
missing and then the pictures of the three people they would pass out those flyers at screenings and stuff like that uh artisan the distribution company had the imdb imdb page for the actors have them listed as missing and presumed dead for the first year of the film like that's that's the film was out yeah um so yeah they really talk about how it's historic in that sense of utilizing the internet um and they were out there for like eight days and the directors rationed their food so they were actually grumpy and they were like fucking with them at night and stuff so it sounds like it was a pretty intense shoot I know that's crazy they kind of like put these people in the scenario that the the characters are supposed to be in and then gave them like clues every day on like where they're supposed to go and and then like we're making like the noises around them so uh, I I think that made this pretty real probably yeah, they gave them a GPS device that would lead them to, like, a film canister that had a note in it of, like, here's what the scene is. And then they would just totally improvise it from there. Right. Like, no dialogue was written in the script, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can't believe uh, they could do that back then or, like, put actors through this. Like, that That seems, like, a pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, from what Heather says... It sounds like none of them were, like, that miserable most of the time, and they knew what they were signing up for. Um, and they were, like, it was only... It was shot over eight days, but there was they were only in the woods for six days. Um, okay. And then she was, like, they weren't starving us, but, yeah, it was... By the last day, it wasn't a whole lot of food. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure they were crankier than she let on, but mm-hmm. um, you never know it, when people come back and they report, like, oh, it was fine, but especially now in 2021 when... <laughs> I yeah. think we're all a little bit more focused on the stuff that takes place in Hollywood that everyone thought was just okay for a long time. Right, um, right. It's a little, like, more worrisome. But yeah. also, this wasn't Hollywood. This was, like, a random, practically <laughs> a film school project. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that has it going for it, right? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, really, really interesting uh, approach to shooting a film. And really, I, I think you kind of sense that realness that the actors are going through uh, through yeah. the film. Agreed. Um, I think that's about all I got for now. Do you want to hit the Ohio Connection? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Our Ohio Connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who owns and operates the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in the area, pop by for some drinks and some delicious food. And Alex says, The Blair Witch Project is an American supernatural horror film about three student filmmakers who hike into the Black Hills to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. The film debuted at the 1999 Sundance Film Festival during a midnight screening. Sundance 1999 also saw the premieres of popular films Happy Texas, Happy Texas maybe? Run Lola Run, Jawbreaker, American Movie, and Edge of Seventeen, an LGBTQ coming-of-age romantic comedy which takes place and is principally shot in Sandusky, Ohio. Oh, cool. What's that movie called again? Edge of Seventeen. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sandusky, Cedar Point. There you go, man. Oh, nice. so good. Yeah. <laughs> good times. All right, cool. Great, great connection. Yeah, thanks, Alex. All right. Uh, anything else, or do you want to get to the plot? Let's start spoiling stuff. All right, cool. Hey, uh, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I think I heard something right outside the closet I, w- I want to check in on. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that seems to happen a lot to you, but you better go check it out. <laughs> All right, I'll be right back. Thanks.
Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm, I'm back. Yeah, what, what's going on? You know, I'm not sure. It just sounded like uh, some sticks breaking, uh, but there was no one out there. Uh, but I did find a random pile of rocks uh, stacked neatly outside my closet. So I did what you're supposed to do and just knocked them down. I, th- I think it'll be okay. <laughs> sticks and rocks in the house. Yeah. You exactly. have no children. <laughs> Perfectly normal. Completely normal. <laughs> <laughs> that is normal in my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and if I knock them down, yeah, somebody might get pissed. Oh, man. <laughs> that sounds scary, dude. <laughs> <laughs> in its own way, it's even yeah. more terrifying. I know. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Kid, kids still like playing with rocks and piling them up? Yeah, man. They they love rocks. I mean, if you give them a pile of rocks and a puddle, that they're in heaven. Oh, that's great. And they love sticks. <laughs> I try to that's like great. keep them interested in the most basic things. Like, sure. Not that they don't have, like toys with all the bells and whistles but always tried to be outside a lot throughout their sure. childhood so far and they they still seem fascinated by it which is comforting that's awesome that's nice i can appreciate the simple things yeah a good good solid stick nice <laughs> well i know that that might be something uh I, I wonder if like that's why witches is there like a, a parallel between witches and uh, little kids and their fascination with rocks and sticks i mean witches and Little kids are very much tied up together in mythology and and storytelling and fairy tales. Yeah. Maybe they just all love to hang out and talk about sticks. Yeah. Nothing bad's happening. They just got a bad rap. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what's your favorite genre of stick? (laughs) The long kind or like the short uh, Kindle? Is that what it's called? (laughs) Kindle? Oh, kindling. Kindling, yeah. (laughs) Or the kindling type. That was me pretending to be a witch asking a child what their favorite stick was, but I am appreciative that you gave an honest answer of what your favorite stick was. Sure. <laughs> I think this is a real discussion to be Birthday idea. idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I think there's something here. All right. Uh, so, yeah, ready to jump into the plot then? Let's do it. Okay. So this movie kicks off with our standard language uh, about... Three people having gone missing uh, a year ago, and this tape is the evidence that's recently been found. And uh, I think just, you know, it's common language that we've all kind of become uh, accustomed to seeing in these types of movies. Um, no, no big surprises here, right? Sure, sure. In 1999, yes, but today, no. Yeah, and then today, now, it's like, holy shit, have, have the police seen this? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Get a cop. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, so then we're introduced to our three main characters. There's Heather. Um, she's kind of like the lead. She's organizing this uh, documentary uh, with her. She's got a guy named Mike. And I think Mike is the camera guy, right? I can never remember which one. I think, yeah, Mike might be the camera guy. Okay, yeah, you got Mike and Josh. And I think, yeah, one of them is the camera guy, one's the sound guy. And I think Heather and Josh kind of go back. They know each other, but Mike is someone that they've just really recently found and who's traveling out with them. Uh, to do this documentary. So they're going out to Maryland to do this documentary on the Blair Witch. Uh, and they do all these interviews with local people there. And uh, we learn that the Blair Witch is kind of this folklore about this witch that's haunted the area for hundreds of years. And all this kind of mysterious stuff has happened. And we hear stories about children being murdered and being uh, sat in, uh, taken down into a basement in groups of two and killed. And then uh, people seeing witches, uh, a group of people being found to have been murdered and their bodies go missing. 
So a lot of kind of context uh, being set here through these interviews and these stories that are being told. Uh, yeah, what do sure. you think and on the, this? The oh, children being brought down to the basement in pairs, the killer would have one stand in the corner with his back to the other kid, and then he'd kill the other kid. Yeah, right, right. Uh, what do you think of, of all the setup and these interviews and these uh, characters so far? I really like the characters. I feel like the dialogue is really authentic. Um they feel like real people to me and i enjoyed the like person on the street interviews some of those felt really real too mm-hmm. um and it's just fun to hear people tell spooky stories that's always been kind of like the filmmaker said just hearing spooky stories still kind of creeps me out more than an actual horror movie so right hearing these people tell these stories was pretty fun and there was one scene especially that just like really struck me for some reason it was a woman holding her child who was probably like i don't know three and the kid kept trying to cover her mouth so she wouldn't tell the story about the witch right and it was just like really striking and felt really real to me yeah i heard some of these people weren't actors right they were just like local townspeople some were local townspeople, some were planted actors, but our cast, Heather, Mike, and Josh, thought they were all just townspeople. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I love this mix of the town people, too. Like, uh, they were very real, and I, I wonder which ones were actors, which ones were real. Like, was that kid an actor? <laughs> right? I feel, I feel like he was too young to give any kind of actual performance. Maybe it okay. was just a happy coincidence that he kept trying to put his hand over his mom's mouth. Yeah, that worked well. It really worked well. Yeah, but I, I agree. The description of these stories, they're all like equally kind of haunting. I, th- I think you hear like three or four of them. Um, and then the, the, the chemistry, I think, between uh, the three main characters, I feel like you get a good sense of it off the bat. Like Heather's kind of like in charge and uh, the other two are kind of like tagging along uh, more begrudgingly. But there's kind of like a sense of familiarity am- amongst them or, and them getting to kind of know Mike as well. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. Another thing I liked about these stories that people were telling is they didn't really all add up. It was like everyone had, you could tell it was just folklore that had kind of evolved and everyone added their own piece. Like this guy says he saw a woman whose feet never touched the ground. This guy says he just saw some white vapor or something. So Mm -hmm. everybody's a little bit different. It kind of made it feel more authentic and real. It did. Uh, I kind of like disoriented me though because none of them... I mean, I mean, one, I think maybe kind of referred to maybe a witch, right? Like a woman levitating or something. But the other ones just seem like random, like, yeah, someone killing kids or some like four dead bodies found and then they went missing. So uh, is there, uh, w- was there enough to suggest, uh, is there like one villain here that people are talking about? Or is it just a collection of like random horror stories about the woods here? Yeah, that is one th- maybe criticism it's a little confusing like how do you tie all those back to a witch like right is there more stuff going on in the town or does everyone think the witch had something to do with these things right right because they do there is a story too about a woman who was like cast out of town in the 1800s or something like that right oh supposedly haunts the woods right right yeah yeah, which, I, I mean, yeah, maybe to your point, like, it is kind of natural that, uh, yeah, the stories wouldn't all align and people would be telling different versions, different things. That's typically how folklore goes, right? Right, right. But I, I hear your criticism. I kind of have had the same one, but just didn't know how to articulate it. It is kind of hard to tie everything back to the witch. Sure, right, right. Which kind of becomes more pertinent at the end. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so then the three of them go into the woods, and I think originally they were trying to find a cemetery where they want to shoot uh, some footage. 
Um, and I think they eventually get there. And at the cemetery, they find piles of rocks that are stacked up. And Josh accidentally knocks over one of the piles of rocks. Um, that night, when they're camping out, they hear some noises in the distance from their tent. Um, but they don't see anyone out there. Uh, the next day, they're walking back. And they start realizing that they're lost. I think Heather the whole time is trying to say, no, it's just a few more hours. I know where we are. But you can tell um, she might not be telling them the truth. And she's starting to get a little panicked as well. Um, and they can't find their way back to the car. So I think at this point, you're starting to hear a lot of uh, the frustration start spilling out of them and the group kind of going at each other, which I, I feel like a lot of the movie focuses on them being uh, angry at each other and their anxieties kind of coming out. Um, what, what did you think of like this whole spiraling and like this kind of like stir craziness that was hitting the group? I thought it was pretty believable and not as obnoxious as some people seem to think it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've just seen much more obnoxious behavior from found footage characters since then. Um, <laughs> and it just feel, it feels believable. It's also interspliced with them like joking around a bit and having genuine moments together. So there's a lot of levity to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know. It, what did you think? Uh, it dragged on. Like, I, I, I was surprised. Like, I, I don't think, obviously, like, you know, I hadn't seen this in, like, 10, 15 years at least. Um, but I, I was surprised, like, how long these, like, fights went on for. Like, it would be Mike really angry at them, or then Josh really angry at them, or then Heather, like, really angry at Mike. And I, I was just surprised, like, maybe a, a good... 15, 20 minutes was just like these fights going on in, within the group, which I think is like, is like understandable. You're The three of you are lost in these woods. You can't find your way out. You're kind of like turning on each other. But I was surprised like the level of detail and, and how far they went down uh, that path with Sure, with sure. Them. I can understand that criticism. I, I was but, cool with it. Yeah, but, but I, you know, I, I, I think that's... I, I think... Um, that was like purposeful and, and maybe like brought more of like the realism to it as well because uh, you are seeing people just kind of like getting on each other's case and really angry and frustrated that they can't get out of the woods so it was, it was cool to see them focus on that sure sure um, yeah it, w it wasn't just like aimless bickering like we see in some other found footage movies it was a real yeah. tense situation it was yeah yeah it, it felt really real um, but yeah, every, every night basically they, they're going to sleep, you know, they, they spend the day trying to get home and, um, they're, uh, not finding their car, they're lost in the woods and at night they're hearing these sounds outside their tents where it sounds like kids are laughing or at one point something like it's pressed up against their tent, um, and they come out and like everything's been rummaged through. So, uh, they definitely get the sense that they're being stalked at night, which is adding to the scare here. One morning they wake up and Josh is missing. Um, Mike and Heather hear his voice late that night and he's like in the distance screaming, but they can't find him. Uh, the next morning, Heather finds this shirt of Josh's and inside of it are some of his body parts, like his teeth, his hair, uh, his tongue. Um, but she doesn't tell Mike this, but she's obviously freaking out. Um, what would you think of like these nightly scare sequences and the mystery of Josh here? I thought they were pretty good, pretty great. There's a specific scene where Heather just is like, like, oh, what the fuck is that? And screams and runs from the tent. And we don't see anything. And we were actually supposed to. There was supposed to be a shot of like a creepy looking white figure that was supposed to vaguely be the witch. But the cameraman forgot to pan over to it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we never see it. But it, I, I think it's really effective. Um, yep. So I really liked it. And 
it kind of leads me to one of my points about this movie is that this movie is more of an audio experience than a visual one to me. Oh my like, God, totally. So yeah. much of it is just dialogue with footage of the woods. Like it'll be Heather and Mike talking, but the camera's just on the ground, like looking at leaves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or it's totally dark and you can't see what's happening or you're just hearing creepy sounds. And that's largely the character's experience too. They don't see anything, but they hear stuff outside their tent. Right, right, exactly. Um, so I think all the audio, like the sound design in this movie is really effective. Like mm-hmm. you can hear stuff, but it's not very clear what you're actually hearing. Even that scene you spoke of where she opens up Joshua's shirt and there's like blood and teeth in there and you said a tongue I thought a tongue too but there actually wasn't a tongue in there so oh really Eduardo Sanchez have talked about how he likes that scene and that it's out of focus and everybody seems to think they have their own explanation of what's in there but Mm -hmm. it was really just teeth and hair and some blood oh okay oh man I could have sworn that was a tongue that's so I know that's what I thought I saw too yeah. But it's cool. I mean, I think that plays into the movie's strength is that you don't ever quite know exactly what's going on. Everything is kept just out of your grasp as a viewer. Yeah. I, I struggled with this because were there parts where you wish you were seeing something or like these like these nights where you're comfortable with it just being all audio driven? Uh, and even the audio, it's like things like off in the distance. Um, so it's, it's not like something like jumping out uh like a, like a really loud noise suddenly or anything like that. But uh, did that did that feel like something was missing at all? I don't think so. I just have a hard time imagining this movie with any additional visuals. Like there's nothing I could see that would make this a more effective movie to me. Yeah, it's right, kind of right. like in uh, I don't want to spoil Sinister, but Sinister would have been a better movie had you not seen some things. Sure. And I just feel like that. People might have that complaint about this movie, but I think there was a delicate balance here. I think they they nailed it. Sure. Yeah, it leaves lots of the imagination, and I think that's what they're going for in it, and it worked really well here. Yeah, Um, you wanted to see some more shit, though? I think we've become used to seeing more shit happen, and, like, we're just kind of, like, our brains are kind of, like, programmed now, like, uh, you're going to hear that loud noise, or you're going to see, like, something in the distance, or when they're walking around the woods, like, you're going to see, like, something move really quick, and so it just, it took me a while to get over the shock of, like, oh, we're not going to see anything, and this is really more about the characters and and their acting, And, and to your point, like, I feel like Heather's scream in this becomes, like, so, um, important as part of, like, the, the scariness and yeah. like one of the most haunting parts. Yeah, and I mean, it's not uncommon for found footage movies to not have a score, but I feel like a lot of them sneak a little bit of music in there or maybe an audio sting here and there kind of buried in the mix, and this one yeah. doesn't do that. Yeah, this one's like not cheating at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's staying pretty true to the format. Yeah, so. it's all just relying on Heather's scream. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think once I kind of got that in my head that like, okay, we're not going to see that kind of stuff uh, or these kind of like cheap tricks, like, yeah, I started to appreciate it. And and yeah, I, I love that like uh, what you're seeing is more kind of like a backdrop, like you're seeing shots of the woods or like sometimes the camera is just like on a pile of leaves or something and you're hearing them talk or something. So the camera is not like, is, is rarely on the action, right? Yeah, I feel like the camera placement is more realistic in this movie than so many other found footage movies. Right. And it gives you the reason that they're filming, which is the documentary, and they finally give you the reason that Heather keeps filming in what seems like it could have been a cheesy way to, like, be obvious about explaining this. But Josh is, like, on her about stopping filming for so long, and then he, like, picks it up and he's like, I see why you like this camera so much. It's not quite reality. 
And oh, yeah. There's a point where she breaks down, too, and she's like, this is all I have left. Like, right. So it sounds kind of hokey, but I thought it was done effectively. Yeah, yeah, I think it worked. And uh, yeah, I remember you, you've called that criticism on other films where it feels like forced, like why is the camera still running? Right, right. Like some, yeah, so that's Which, a good point. Yeah, to a certain extent, I'm fine suspending my disbelief. Like, okay, it's a found footage movie. They're going to be filming something that makes no sense to film. But mm-hmm. I don't think that was really the case as much here. Sure, yep. Um, and, uh, oh, the the other thing that I think we I, I forgot to mention in the beginning... Um, unlike those other found footage films, this one is actually the actors carrying the camera, right? It is, yeah. There's a cinematographer um, there to kind of oversee everything, but as far as I could figure out, it was actually the actors holding the cameras. Right, which is pretty unique, I think. I, I don't think you heard too many instances of that. It is, they... yeah. I think before shooting started, they had like a little bit of a mini boot camp where they were trained to uh, wield the cameras. I think Josh had... Um, either Josh or Mike did have experience with a camera, and that was part of why he was hired. But Heather had no experience, so she was kind of okay, given a crash course. Sure, sure, and it's kind of cool how that plays out in, in what we're seeing on film here. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, finally, uh, on the final night, they're in their tents again. They hear Josh in the distance. And uh, they stumble upon this really creepy house. And I love the decoration of this house. Like, you had, like, little kids' hands all over it. It was, like, all, like, run down uh, and just, like, out of nowhere, like, in the middle of the woods. Uh, Did did you like the setting of the house? It's an extremely creepy house. I forgot about all those children handprints on the walls. That's an extra creepy touch. Yeah. Yeah, really creepy. And it was just so run down and spooky. Yeah, it was a wonderful setting. Right. And so I think the view we're seeing here is Heather following Mike, and they're trying to chase down Josh's screaming. Um, right, they hear Josh screaming, right, yep. Right, and then I think Mike runs down to the basement. Heather's, like, trying to find him, and I think this is, like, where we hear her screaming, like, uh, just, like, in high panic mode. And the, I, I feel like this was, like, one of the scariest uh, screams that she was doing in the film. Yep, screaming it, Mike's name at the top of her lungs. Yeah, yeah. And then finally she comes into the basement, she sees Mike, and he's facing the wall, uh, kind of like that story that you mentioned in the beginning where the kids would be taken down in twos and one would face the wall while the other one gets murdered. And uh, we see, or we don't see, but Heather's camera just kind of like falls to the ground, like we assume something came in, killed her from behind, and that's where the movie ends. That's where it ends. Yeah. So what, what do you think? Was it The Witch? I think it was The Witch, but it does get a little bit muddled, and I meant to dig more into this, and I was in a little bit of a time crunch for this one, but it is a little confusing because that was what some random hermit supposedly did up in the woods, right. right? He would take kids and murder them. So was it the hermit, or was it the witch controlling the hermit back then? Because that was, you know, 50-some years ago. So I kind of mm-hmm. think of it as every tale somebody told was the witch somehow. Okay. And that's what happened again here. Like the witch possessing someone. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe the hermit was real, but the witch was behind it all. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I I got the sense that like these woods are haunted and like, you know, crazy shit goes down in these woods. Sure. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's a witch. Maybe not. But those were, they did see like witches totems, like those little stick figure type things. Oh, right. Right. Okay. With those badass kindling sticks you love so much. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, uh, and 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 then the stones. Uh, any idea what those represented? I mean, it was, that was uh, some kind of cemetery, I think, right? Yeah, I don't know what the reason for the stones was. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that one. I'm assuming, and I think we're led to believe that Josh is the first one targeted and killed because he knocked over that that set of stones. Yeah, that was my belief as well. Yeah, he was kind of marked from that point forward. And Eduardo Sanchez said that when they all saw those like totems hanging from the trees, that was like they're not getting out of the woods. It, he almost like viewed it as a portal that they're now trapped in the woods, like in some supernatural way, which kind of makes sense because they're going around in circles. They yeah. They totally lose track of where they are. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, that ending, I think you brought that up. or It was like an honorable mention, I think, in our episode on, like, was it the best ending? Scariest shots, I think we did. Oh, s- scary top five shots. scariest shots. Yeah. That, was that one of the, your top five, or was it like an honorable mention? I definitely mentioned it in that. I can't remember if it was top five or not, but I went to watch a YouTube video on Blair Witch today, and it was like, I had already watched it, and I was like, yeah. did I? Oh, yeah, now I remember it was in that, <laughs> that five episode. Yeah, we definitely talked about it, and, and I think a lot of what makes that uh, scene scary, it's like the setting, the house, Heather's reaction, and then that like final view of Mike. Yep. That's, it's just a combination of like, it's crazy so things. It's so disturbing right? and confusing, and you don't see much. It's So much is left to the imagination. Yeah. Dude, right, this right. movie still scares the shit out of me. Really? Like, I could feel my heart in my chest when it was done, and I went to bed genuinely afraid. What? This time you saw it? Yeah, man. This is like the fourth or fifth time, and it still scares me. I don't know what it is about this movie. It just really gets under my skin. Wow. You know- And I think some people have that experience, and other people are like, nah. Yeah, yeah. I think the first time I saw it, I definitely had that experience, and it, like, scared the shit out of me. This time watching it, I was like, you never see anything, like, really scary happen. But, I mean, there is, like, a lot of screaming. There's, like, a scary settings and, like, conceptually it's, like, kind of haunting. But, I, like, I was kind of scratching my head at the end, like, wondering, like, what was uh, what was I so scared about, like, back in the day? Because I, I, I was just amazed that you never really see anything anymore uh, in, in this film. Um, but, it, that, I don't know, like, yeah, that, that, that part didn't get to you at all? Um, no, I love that. I love that aspect of it. Yeah, you, know, you we were both probably pretty tense in 1999. Y2K was approaching. <laughs> yeah, I think was there an election coming? No, I think everyone was, was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I that was why I rewatched it years ago, five or ten years ago, because I was like, this that had to be such a product of its time. There's no way I'll think it's scary or even good now. Yeah, and I. I Really appreciated it and liked it when I watched it a few years back, and I honestly even more so this time. I just think the acting really primarily is what sets it apart. It like, really does, yeah. I think this whole film is on on the acting of these three characters, how realistic it is, um, and I think a lot of it is is like around the friction between them and how like the sense of paranoia paranoia is like building up throughout the film uh, amongst them. Yeah, that's this is the core part of this. I mean, not only is it good. It's good compared to any movie. This is great acting in compared to any standard to me. But compared yeah. to so many other found footage movies, it's just light years ahead. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Yeah. I feel like a lot of uh, found footage gets a bad rep when it comes to acting. Yeah. And I, I think other found footage does try to do the improv stuff, but I cannot believe how well they did it. It was just so authentic. It was exactly what you would say in that situation. Like, yeah. Heather's whole confessional 
type thing with her snotty nose and her tears. She was just making it up on the spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's wild to me. And then when they were talking about, like, what what would you want to eat right now <laughs> if you could eat whatever you wanted? Or yeah. uh, what did you used to do on a Sunday? It's just stuff you talk about in the woods when you're hungry. It was so authentic to me. And yeah, they were in okay. the woods and hungry. That might have been part of it. <laughs> yeah. That power bar there, that uh, good old bar they were getting. Exactly. Working. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a testament to if you put people in that situation and recreate uh, the environment like that, um, you're going to get like some real performances, and, and that comes through here. Um, camera work, uh, so the camera work didn't bother you at all? No, I think it was, uh, I mean, it's shaky for sure, but to me it's not that egregious, and it's a wide-open setting. You know, part of the reason you're refreshing my memory here on quarantine, part of the reason quarantine made me so sick was it was so claustrophobic. Yeah, you're they were just always in a small room in a in a cramped building, and this yeah. is in the woods, so it wasn't quite as dizzying to me. Okay, yeah, but did it bother you this time? Uh, it did. Yeah, it bothered me. Uh, I, and I think that's probably why I never like watched it again after seeing it in theaters. But um, yeah, I think there were like some scenes like where they're walking, the camera's on the ground or on like a, a nearby tree or something, and uh, it's shaking a lot like while they're walking. And I, I think a lot of like the newer found footage over like the last 10, 15 years, they've really kind of like stabilized uh, the camera a lot more. So I, it, it was kind of like a, a shock to see this part again, like how shaky it was. Back gotcha. Then. Um, one thing I loved about the, I guess, performances and the the dialogue, that what they chose to improv is no matter how much of a dick somebody was to each other, they always apologized. Oh. <laughs> like maybe that's just me being a softy, but <laughs> it was never just like, these are all unlikable jerks. I don't want to watch them. Yeah. It was clear that they were stressed and then they'd cut to a scene where they're like, I'm so sorry. Like I shouldn't have said that. And they'd then be like desperately clinging to each other and like rocking back and forth. It was just, sure. it was cool. Yeah, I think that's part of the realisticness of this. Like if you're lost with three people in the woods, yeah, you're going to lose your shit on them. But then they're also the only like signs of like humanity around you. So you're going to make your peace with them, right? Yeah, you're right. You're not going to, yeah, it's, it's going to be awkward to hold a grudge in the woods. Exactly. <laughs> Probably not smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, did did you find the characters like and their actions like I don't know Mike uh, getting like kicking the the map uh, like down the river or something or whatever he did um, or like some of like Heather's narration like there were parts of it where like either the characters were like felt annoying to me or maybe they did something which like didn't really make sense to me. Um, did you have any moments like that? Mike kicking the map in the river was probably the most angering moment. Yeah. But I found it to be believable. <laughs> the fact that he like was like, woo, and like crazy laughing afterwards yeah. specifically reminded me of a friend that I used to have. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh. if I was out there in the woods, that guy would have done that. Why? Why would anyone do that? I don't know. I think you just do stupid things when you're angry, man. Yeah, sure, sure. But I like the I map have. that like your soul survival depends upon. Right. Just like getting rid of it. Yeah, a terrible move. I mean, he was ashamed of it and didn't tell anybody for a long time, and then he finally lost it. And, you know, I don't know if he intentionally was like, I'm going to kick this into the stream so that we never see it again. He might have just, like, kicked it out of frustration and then been like, well, shit, that's gone. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Yeah. And he was so pissed at Heather and thought she was always lying about whether or not she actually knew where she was going. So he, like, found it to be 
useless in some senses, but I think in reality right. he probably just had a moment of anger. Sure, sure, and, and it got the quote best unquote of reality. Sure, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that part was a little hard for me to to, to believe. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it gave them each an opportunity to get angry at each other. Uh, and so you have like some really intense scenes between them, which, you know, I mean, uh, also like 1999, I don't feel like you had a lot of reality TV back then as we do today. So to see like these people like fighting on screen to like this extent, um, it, it felt like pretty real and like authentic. Yeah. I mean, um, oh shit, what's that show called? The Real World. <laughs> the Real World was, you know, a fledgling show back then. Actually, it might have been steadily into, I don't know, maybe it's like fifth season or more. So no kidding, people, by then. Yeah. I think it started in the early 90s. Oh, okay. So people were familiar with reality TV to an extent. Not the kind of reality TV we have today, but people were, I think, a bit primed to watch interactions like this that felt a little bit more raw. Oh, sure. Right. They're looking for this. Yeah. I, I mean, I guarantee you Puck, the season with Puck, whichever that one was, was definitely before 1999. <laughs> I don't think I ever watched The Real World. <laughs> But My mom the, the, loved it. Oh, really? That was, wasn't that like on MTV or something? It was, yeah. Oh, okay. That was the beginning of the end for MTV. Damn. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, anything else you'd, you'd call out on this one? Uh, I don't know. I, I really love that it's supernatural. Supernatural. <laughs> it's supernatural, but it's not ghosts. Like, it's this witch, but kind of like, is it? There's just such mystery around it. I I think that's yeah. what makes it scarier to me. I have yeah, no almost, idea what to even imagine in my mind. I know. It's almost like you're surrounded by all this folklore of like crazy events. And like, it just kind of creates this atmosphere of like anything can happen or there's just so much unknown. It's not just like one witch you're running from. Yeah. Yeah. I like that part of it. Me too, man. Me too. All right. Give me a scale. All right. Zero to five um, of your best friend's body parts wrapped in a shirt. <laughs> I give this five of my best friend's body parts wrapped in a shirt. Five? That's I incredible. love this movie, man. It, it, it just legit scared me. I'm kind of in awe of it. Yeah. Wow. And the scare still holds up, huh? The scares still really hold up for me. That's incredible. That's really good. Uh, well, you know, I have a lot of respect for this film, uh, and it disappointed me that, like, you don't see anything, but I also respect that, like, the, the audio play here, and, uh, that, like, they kind of took this creative approach to really get inside of your head with it, um, but yeah, so, uh, watching it this time, I was a little disappointed that, like, uh, there isn't, like, that shock value, which I think, uh, is, is, like, you know, them taking the higher ground and me kind of being, um, in, you know, wanting, like, those cheap thrills a little bit. So I only gave three and a half of my best friend's body parts wrapped in a wow. shirt. Wow. I feel like in previous episodes and discussions, you've brought this up as a movie that could possibly be in your top 10. Oh. <laughs> and I, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. I feel like I remember you saying that, but it seems like your memory of this movie was pretty, pretty flattering towards the movie and you've really kind of come to grips with reality here and, and dialed it back down. I think that's exactly it. I've always had this movie like on a pedestal and thought it was like the scariest movie I've ever seen. But I think so much of it is about like the time we saw it in, the ideas we had going into it, where like the genre was at that time. And seeing it now after like so many other found footage films, like you got to give it the respect for being the OG on, on this kind of thing and bringing it to the, the mainstream. Um, but I was a little let down that um, we didn't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, just part of me wanted to see something more. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. All right. 
You 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 like a cheap thrill in your found footage movies. <laughs> sure too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm man. Glad for the cheap thrills. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came to uh, reassess it and shatter your own dreams. I know. <laughs> but I'm I still find this I, this is top maybe top five scariest movies of all time for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad, man. That's, and that's I think really it's good. maybe in the top ten now. Okay. Officially. Cool. Oh, so it's moved from your top five to your top ten. I mean, it's top five scariest movies. I think it's now top 10. It wasn't in my top five horror movies on that episode, but I think it was kind of like vaguely lurking around maybe being in the top 10, and now I'm I'm sure it's in the top 10. Okay, cool. That's awesome. No, it's a, it's a great film, and I, th- I think a huge landmark, and obviously like so much of a legacy on, on our culture. Yeah, indeed. It's great. All cool, right, I'm glad we finally else? covered it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Good choice, uh, good choice. It's a good spooky watch for October. Yeah, yeah, it fits the season very well. Um, anything else? That's all I got. All right, well, that's going to be it for our discussion on the Blair Witch Project. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find the show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join in the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast.horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, so you can find us there chatting up with some other listeners and horror fans. You can find that link on our website. Our logo is by Ignue Popart, and there's also a lot of Horror Movie Club merchandise on her website, so you can check that out. You can check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're planning to hang out in the woods for some reason, Maybe reconsider the safety of an urban setting and the convenience of being close to running water and toilets and uh, just avoid the woods in general. (laughs) You know, I'm normally not scared of the woods, but this one got me. This one got you? Oh, man. I figured you being like a man of the woods would be uh, all like this wouldn't have like, uh, uh, you know, yeah, had an impact on you. (laughs) That's how I introduced myself. Hi there, Brian Bethesda, man of the woods. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's how I introduced you.